Well, our theme for the day is rising strong. I call it my decade of doubt. Now, I'm not certain if those years actually add up to or more than 10, but decade of doubt has a certain ring to it, don't you think? And I was in that season of doubt for a minute, for a minute. Like so many of you, I grew up going to church and participating in everything at church. Well, you'd have to know my mom, but I was on the usher. I was, uh, I was a junior missionary society. I participated in all the VBS programs. I went to Sunday school. I went to Bible study. Um, I went to Baptist training union. Uh, I did it. I was there, right? My sisters and I weren't just there when the doors of the church opened because oftentimes we were the ones opening the doors. Now, we lived max maybe 10-minute drive. Okay, maybe 12 from the church. But we would get there at 9.30. Sunday school started at 10 o'clock. So oftentimes we would just go around to Deacon Goodwine's house and get the key and just go ahead and open the church. We were there anyway, you know, turn the heat on, right? And not only were we the first family often there, we were usually the last ones to leave. And y'all, we were hungry. We would be waiting for my mother who was talking or, or would go visit someone. We were the first to go, come and the last to leave. I loved church, though. I loved everything about church. I really did. I, I can tell you, and y'all know that I love to sing because I still tell you the songs to this day. I can still see Deacon Goodwine and the other deacons over there by the table praying on their knees. I loved everything about church, but I especially loved Sunday school and Bible study. Now, my mother was, when she... she Iron hand a little bit, but somehow when you got to high school, she would kind of let you slide out of Sunday school if you wanted to. But on Saturdays, usually, Mommy and I were both looking in our Sunday school books, right? I love Sunday school. Church was what I knew and I loved. And I cannot tell you the exact date, but somewhere in my senior year in high school, I started to have my doubts. I had doubts about what well-meaning people of faith could really accomplish for the kingdom and whether they could make a real difference, a substantive difference in the lives of those who suffered and struggled. Our community, this community of the church was in a very poor community. And it was poor when I was a kid. It was poor when my mama was a kid. It was poor when my grandmama. And I thought, well, look at here. If, if this is the church, I read in scripture about what a transformational church and witness should look like and I looked around that community and I didn't see it I mean I didn't stop believing that there was a God I, I didn't stop believing that there was a savior that there was a spirit but I did stop believing that the church that the people of God who were called to go who were sent out into the world for God could bring about transformation that I read about in scripture and that I could see was sorely needed in the community I remember walking down those steps and for the last time, and I didn't go back. The faithful often find themselves in places, in situations of doubt. So, 
It is not surprising that on this, the second Sunday of Easter, that we have the old soul familiar story of Thomas called the twin, but who has been, giving, been given the moniker of Doubting Thomas. And I've got to be honest with you. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. It's as if we have come to think that in his desire to experience what the other disciples experienced, right? Jesus shows up and says, hey, look at my hands, look at my side, right? That, that, that just because he wants to experience what the other disciples experienced, to have an encounter with the risen Christ means that he is somehow unbelieving in Jesus, I just don't think that's true. Thomas just kept it real. Thomas just kept it 100, right? In so many ways, Thomas is our twin, isn't he? He's like us, isn't he? Because who among us hasn't known times of doubt and uncertainty? Who hasn't experienced some struggle in your faith? I mean, if you haven't had to struggle a little bit with your faith, how strong is it? Our journey of faith is not without bumps or potholes in the road and even situations and sometimes seasons of doubt. Don't be fooled. Doubt is an element of faith, not of unbelief. In saying that he too wanted to see, he wanted to see. Everybody's going, oh, Thomas, you should have been there. You know what it's like when somebody tells you that. Oh, you should have been there. Everybody's got some FOMO, right? Some fear of missing out. And saying that he too wanted to see the nail prints in Jesus' hands and, and the wound in his side. And I know Thomas was a, little, a bit overboard by saying he wanted to poke his finger in it. But Thomas was not unbelieving. Remember, he was there with the others. He was still engaged with the push and pull of faith, still hoping, still seeking, and still waiting for assurance. He has not deserted the cause of Christ, nor did he, like Peter, deny Jesus, deny knowing Jesus. Thomas just had some honest questions that he was not afraid to verbalize. Some people in church, they'll think all kind of things, but they won't say it. They'll act all kind of ways, and you don't know what's going on, but you know it must be something. But Thomas had the courage and conviction to say what he was really thinking and what he really needed. Let's be honest, Thomas was not the only doubter among the disciples because not everyone believed the reports of the women. Remember, go to Luke 24. Cleophas and his companion, well, they done left. Amen. They're on the road to Emmaus. They're going home. So he didn't abandon. He's still up in the upper room. And y'all, I don't know why Thomas was not in the room when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first time. Perhaps unlike the other disciples, Thomas was not afraid to go out into the world after the crucifixion. Maybe Thomas says, well, Mary Magdalene has said Jesus is risen. I'm going to go out and look for him. Maybe Thomas just had a little more courage and conviction than the others who stayed locked up in the room. This Thomas whom we judge to be disbelieving because of his doubting was the only disciple who was willing to go with Jesus when they received the news of Lazarus. Remember? 
Go back to John 11 chapter, right? And the news comes about Lazarus. And the other disciples said, Jesus, uh-uh, 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 no. They're going to kill you. They're trying to kill you. We're doing good. Let's stay here and be safe. And Thomas says, let's go with him and die with him. That's Thomas. Stop dissing people because they have some struggles. Because they have some doubts. Thomas's faith in Jesus was robust. Thomas's faith in Jesus was real. He was always willing to move with and toward Jesus. So in that 14th chapter, as part then 13, it starts a farewell discourse, right? And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a way for you, and you know the way. And sure in heck, it's Thomas, right? Thomas goes, uh-uh, Jesus, we don't know the way, boo, but where are you going? Because I want to be there with you. Reimagine, reinterpret Thomas's speech. Jesus, no man, I don't know the way. I'm not sure, but where are you going? I want to be there. Where is it? Tell me, show me the way. Because wherever you are, Jesus, wherever you're going, I want to be there too. He just wanted to see Jesus for himself. To see the wounds and to be assured of the triumph of God's grace in the face of life's deepest tragedy. Thomas wanted to see the one who suffered and the one who takes on all human suffering. Sometimes you have to have your own encounter with the risen Christ. Our mama may have known Jesus, grandmama, granddaddy, bishop, so-and-so, but you and I need to have an encounter with the risen Christ all of our own. Why do we judge Thomas's skepticism? Why do we judge people so? And then judge him so harshly. For 2,000 years, he is known as Doubting Thomas. Thomas just asked for what he needed. That's all. And get this, Jesus came to him. Jesus met him at his point of need. Jesus came to and for Thomas, and Jesus didn't judge him. Why should the rest of us? Jesus wasn't impatient with him. It's not like when you read the text, Jesus is going, you know, you can hear Jesus kind of rocking, like what? Jesus is not impatient with him, and Jesus doesn't criticize him. Jesus doesn't criticize Thomas. Nor does he criticize Thomas' need to see Jesus for himself or Thomas' need for more. When we look out at the, at the community and we judge people and say, well, they, they, the way they're living, the way they're doing things, we judge them and their doubts, their skepticism. We're critical. But Jesus isn't. And Thomas, Thomas was not only able to rise from his doubt and his skepticism, but he, he, he was able to rise strong. In his encounter with the risen Christ, he was able to confess, and the others didn't do it. Thomas was able to confess, my Lord and my God. The others didn't. And he did it without the need to probe the mystery of the resurrection with his hands. 
And, and Christian tradition has it that Thomas was the only, the only disciple who was able to go beyond the Roman Empire. The, the tradition is that he founded a church in India and died for his faith. So don't be calling him no doubting Thomas. Thomas was always willing to go wherever the way of Christ presented. What we learn from our twin in the faith is that we do not have to be disabled by our doubts. Our doubts do not mean that we are disbelieving disciples, that we are somehow less than faithful. God, God, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, God who created order out of chaos, God is still able to use us. God is still able to work through us and even work in us in the midst of our doubts. Moreover, God is able to raise us from our places of doubt. Friends, what do you have doubts about today? You are watching. What doubts do you have today? Do you doubt God's love for you in Christ Jesus? Do you doubt God's love for you because of something you have done in the past? Tell Jesus about it and God will raise you up out of that doubt. God will raise you into new life, to new relationship. We need not be disabled by doubt. Do you have doubts about the future of the church? I've heard some, there's a member who says, oh, I just don't want my church to die. You don't have to have doubts about the church. Some of us have doubts about the United Methodist Church. God can raise us up from any human-created division of destruction with greater strength. I love how David says, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen a righteous forsaken of God. See, begging for bread. I, I may have my good times and my bad times, but I know that God is with me through it all, and God will raise us up yeah. on eagle's wings. Listen to Isaiah, amen. Even when I'm weary, God will raise me up. I just have to keep going with God. God will raise us up and raise us with strength. Just look where God has brought us from as a people, as a country, and as a church. Just look. Don't doubt. Believe. Believe that he who began a good work in all of us, in this church, is faithful to perform it. Believe. And even if you're in a season of doubt, know that your doubt does not disable or dissuade God. Amen? Amen. Amen.